All right. Father, we ask you, Lord, to let us continue on in our, in our discovery of the righteousness of God in Christ. Help us, Father, to receive it. Give us the fresh revelation. Let us know who we are and act like we know who we are. Help me now, Father. I ask you, Lord, to just download your wisdom, your revelation. Let the words of Scripture jump off the pages and come alive and percolate in our spirits. May we receive the fresh revelation upon the firm foundation of the Word of God right now unto the glory of Jesus Christ, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So listen, if you want to get a little excited during this message, that's okay. I can take it. Um, you put a demand on me. I respond to stuff like that. So hoots, hollers, jumps, hips, whatever you want to give, that's all right. If something manifests, we'll take care of that too. We've got no problem with it. So that being said, we've been talking about righteousness the last couple of weeks and what prompted this was, for those of you who are visiting or haven't been here or you've been coming and going, what prompted this was that about seven years ago, I had prophesied to Robert Whitaker of Whitaker Publishing that he would receive the publishing rights to the E.W. Kenyon series. And that when he did, he needed to take it to another level to build upon it because it stopped short. And uh, about three, four months ago, it came to fruition. So he held me to my word and he said, Frank, I don't know anybody that I know anywhere that has been a student and a teacher um, of his theology and it basically his fundamentals in all the earth. I want you to edit it and to give an exposition on the various books. Would you do it? The Lord told me to speak yes. The first book that they've given me is The Two Kinds of Righteousness. Now, let me give this stipulation. E.W. Kenyon's just a man. Uh, I read him like I do Spurgeon, like I do so many different writers. Uh, I devour a lot of writings. It doesn't mean I agree with everything they all say. In fact, um, uh, E.W. Kenyon really blew it when it came down to Israel and the promises to the Jews. Interestingly enough, he died in the spring of 1948, and Israel was founded as a nation in May of 1948. One chapter closed and another one opened up. God in his mercy, in his mercy, allowed this giant of faith to continue on. So many ministries have founded what they preach upon his writings. The supernatural came from E.W. Kenyon. The faith and prosperity messages came out of E.W. Kenyon. The message of righteousness and divine nature and identity in the Father all came out of E.W. Kenyon. So you can understand that this man was like a Studebaker in his time. How many remember the story of the Studebaker? Uh, uh, my father collected Studebakers. They were so far ahead of their time, they ran out of business. Nobody would buy them. They looked different. They sounded different. And then it seemed like after they were going out, everybody jumped on and began to grab their different styles. That's what happened with E.W. Kenyon. He was against the current of the religious spirit that was in his day. And um, I don't want to say he was Pentecostalized, but he was certainly, certainly born again with the power of God in every aspect. So that being said, I have a daunting task on me. I, I'm, I'm anxious and excited that you're taking this journey with me. And I have the license to not only use his stuff freely, but also to add to it and to build with it and expound on it for the current present now. 
That's why if you got an e-blast, it said, join Pastor Frank and E.W. Kenyon this Sunday morning, live at Touch Heaven. My wife said, why would you say such a thing? I said, well, when people do Shakespeare, they tell people to join him. They do Lincoln. They do, they do his face. They do his character. E.W. Kenyon, I'm doing his character, right? So we're okay. He's good with it. And I'm sure he's up there cheering us on as one of those great witnesses in heaven. You can obtain a righteousness that will give you undaunted fellowship with God Almighty. And because of the righteousness of God, we can walk against and overcome all the powers of darkness. Let us be clear. We live in a very peculiar time. I want to set the standard right now that this message, even though it was powerful 200 years ago and 100 years ago, and even though it was released in the Holy Scriptures, embellished by Paul and all of the prophets and Jesus himself and the disciples and the apostles, never more has the church needed to wake up and understand who we are. We've heard a lot about identity. We've heard a lot about kingdom. We've heard a lot about supernatural. But where we fall short is actually knowing and acting and walking that we are the divine nature of God himself. Peter said that we would partake of his divine nature. That doesn't mean it's like we take a bite of an apple. It means that we are overwhelmed, invaded, and swarmed with the entire nature of God himself. And that nature is the glory of God. God, the glory is the substance of everything that God imparts into us. And part and parcel of that glory is the righteousness of God. I said last week, it's a fearful thing to dissect the glory of God. Who would dare do such a thing? So we tremble, we tread very lightly and cautiously because who could analyze God? We only know him by the foundation of the word of God and the fresh revelation he pours out of us. But this is God's time to awaken the church to the righteousness that we have in Christ and in God. First of all, one of the primary scriptures that we build upon is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. And in that scripture, it says, for he made him, and he's talking about God the Father, for he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, his son, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Breaking it down, this is a little overview for you. When you break down the word, the words in Greek or Aramaic and then back to the Hebrew roots, made means that it's total. There's not, it's not just a likeness. It's not just similar to. It's actually the composite being being totally made into what is being said. He was made substantially, the very essence, every part and parcel of him into sin, into sin. He didn't just stand for sin. He wasn't just an atonement. We'll talk about that before. He was more than an atonement of the blood of bulls and goats. And he was greater than that. But then after he was made sin, who had never sinned, he had never sinned, he was then made full, the essence of God, the righteousness of God, so that we might be made the righteousness of God. If that is true, I've got great news for you today. You do not have a sin nature inside of you. You don't. 
You say, but pastor, sometimes I stumble, sometimes I fall. I have fears. That is a sin consciousness trying to come back into the spirit that it doesn't belong in. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. And if you are the righteousness of God in Christ, and if God is who he says he is, and if the prayer of Jesus was answered by God the Father, which has been testified to because he was raised from the dead, then this is what he said in John 17. He said, Father, I pray that you make them one, even as we are one. How one is God? God is all one. Is there anything left out in what God is? No. Is that exchange between Jesus and the Father and the Father and Jesus? Is it part and parcel? It's the fullness of the Godhead. Every part and parcel of the essence of the glory of God. And he says, I pray that you be in me, me and you, that we be in them. And the glory that you have given me, I give them that they may be one. That glory is the substance of God. And you have it. I want you to turn to somebody. I don't care who it is and say, I have all the glory. Now I've got great news for you. All of us who used to chase around all over the world to go to glory meetings, uh, gold dust, gold teeth, little things happening. That's just a manifestation of glory. That's not the glory. The glory is in you. You don't need to run anywhere. You need to activate the glory of God that's inside of you. I don't want gold dust. That's just the wind blowing as the angels come by. I want the glory of God activated, percolating, moving, demonstrating in every aspect of my life every day. And I want it for you too. But we have to activate it and walk with it. It starts knowing it here and it starts confessing it here. And then it starts to act here. I had somebody ask me, actually it was Garth Kuntz, uh, we were down at his home some months ago. He said, Frank, if you had to answer the question, what is, what is behind you that you seem to have this undaunting faith for miracles? And I stopped for a moment and I said, I have accepted that the glory of God is in me. I have accepted that everywhere I go, the glory of God is not only around me, he's in me. And that when I minister, I minister in the glory of God, not about the glory of God. I don't want to minister about the glory of God. That's an experience, an experience. Now, righteousness can be an experience. It really can be, but it's more than an experience. Righteousness is your nature. It's who you become. So I'm going to open your eyes up with some Bible stories. How many of you like Bible stories? I love Bible stories, right? And so we're going to do Dorothy, I haven't heard you yet. Dorothy. Oh, there she is. All right. Dorothy's in the house. All right. That a girl, Dorothy. I, Dorothy. Dorothy sits in the nosebleed section, but there's no voice like Dorothy's. You'll hear it all the time, right? Bless the Lord God Almighty. So having said that, I want to get into a little bit with you. We are a very peculiar generation. We're born at a time when we're supposed to be preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And most of us have to prepare our own way yet. Right? We're still stumbling. We're bumbling. We're trying to find our path on the way to God when the truth of the matter is you're already on the path to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. These are very perilous times. He said they would be. Well, you know, we came through a lot of movements. How many of you came through a lot of movements? I've been around a little while. And, you know, I've been through some stuff. I've been to Toronto. I've seen the stuff that's come by. I mean, uh, when I first got saved and I didn't have any clue about any of this eschatology stuff about, 
you know, it was being Pentecostally taught. I understood the prophets. I knew the prophets and the Torah from my Jewish background, but I didn't know the rest of it. And I remember the first time I was in a church and everybody was doing, go fly away, Lord Jesus. And I'm, I'm, it, it sounded good. It felt good. You know, it, it's, it's, but I didn't understand what we were flying to. It didn't make any sense to me. It didn't line up with my eschatology that I had learned from the word of God that says we're going to go through some dark stuff. Isaiah. Behold, gross darkness has covered the earth, but the glory of the God, Lord, has risen upon thee. So I was trying to understand how the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon me if I'm going to fly away. Where's that at? And then I was trying to understand how it said in that time, you'll be an overcomer. What are you going to overcome if you're not here? And then what really got me was that my prayer that God answered was that he would give me the opportunity to be a voice to my people, the Jewish people who were lost, that I might be able to lead and to talk to them and be an example to them and have the power of God to move heaven and hell for the salvation of our people. And Romans 11, 25, it, uh, it, it was, it's so alive in me yet. It says, be not ignorant of this mystery. This is a mystery. And, and, and Paul was crying out through Romans to the church saying, don't be ignorant. Don't be stupid about this mystery that blindness in part has happened to the Jews until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in and then all Israel shall be saved. So beloved, we're working on the fullness. There's a parallel path going on right now. There's only two entities, spiritual entities in all of creation that God refers to as his beloved and his espoused. One is the bride of Christ, the ecclesia. Men, you're going to be married to Jesus. Get used to it. You're going to have a nice marriage gown. I don't know what it's going to look like. I can't imagine a few of you guys in gowns. I, I hope I don't have to see your legs, but praise God. You're going to, someday you're going to be there. But the other bride is Israel. He said, who's given you the, 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 the divorce the writ of divorcement. Nobody, I haven't divorced myself from them. And then he goes forward and we love to graft. We love to graft everybody into it, don't we? And he says, I'll never forget you. I've written your names upon my palms. I have it before me at all times. And he says, I'm jealous with a zeal for Jerusalem. Those two things are on a parallel path. They're coming to a point. And when they do, and the fullness of the Gentiles comes in and the church is prepared as the bride for Christ without spot or wrinkle, without blemish. And Israel's come to this point. Then that trump shall sound and Jesus, the Lord Savior, the God of Israel shall come back and his feet will plant just like the prophet said, just outside of Jerusalem. And there'll be an earthquake that shakes the earth. I don't understand all of this. And you know what? I don't try to. I know what my job is. It's to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. We live in perilous times. Listen to this this morning as I was praying and asking the Lord. I said, Lord, uh, uh, I don't want to scare anybody today. I really just want to go with righteousness. He said, son, if people don't understand the time we live in, they will not be motivated to do what they need to do. He said, so please emphasize it again and again and again. He said, we are called to be watchmen. Watchmen shout it out. Watchmen don't sit on the wall and just wait until trouble comes and then shout. Watchmen look way, way out and they alarm everybody so they can get prepared. In the letter from Paul in Timothy, 2 Timothy, uh, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. This know also, 2 Timothy 3, 1, that in the last days... 
Perilous times shall come. Beloved, are we in the last days? If you don't know that, let me tell you, we are in the last days. How do I know we're in the last days? Because 95% of the prophetic word of God has been fulfilled. And he's put it on a pause. And it's accelerating and things are happening. And the metric that really told us where we stood in was when Israel became a nation. The prophet said, who will believe the report of the Lord that a nation will be born in a single day? It was the only nation that all of the nations, the only time that the United Nations was in unanimous agreement about Israel was when it was formed as a country. And then 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 what came alive in Revelation chapter 11, it said that this woman, (laughs) this woman Israel was born and she began to give birth to the people of Israel from all over the earth. And they were being called forth to this area and as fast as they were being born, the enemy was trying to swallow them up and kill them. Every time God is about to move here on the earth, there is an attempt to kill the Jewish people. Every time, every time we came out of World War II, Hitler thought he had it. He thought he had the final solution. And we know it was terrible, but God paused and stopped. Even after all that horror, and a nation was born. I want to give you some statistics. Something's happening in Israel. The fullness of the Gentiles is coming in. Something's happening. 25% of the millennials, the millennials in Israel right now, in the latest Jerusalem Post poll, said they believe that Jesus is the Messiah. 25% of the millennials, of the millennials, Come on now. I got the Holy Ghost bumps. Woo! Maybe if we go like this instead, something else. I don't know. Hey! Something's happening. My hair's standing. Not this hair. Don't don't make fun of this hair. This hair's standing up. Something's happening. For men, we live in perilous times. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. (laughs) Huh? By the way, when, when we say men in this church, we're not gender specific. It's male and female. God made man, both male and female. It's a species. The species of men is loving themselves. That's how God looks at this generation right now. Do I need to say more? Do I need to say more? My Lord, help us. Lovers of the, their own selves. Covetous. Covetous. Covetous, we want things, give us more things. We don't want to work for things. Give us free things. Take things from him and give them to her. Take things from them and give them to them. Socialism is the answer. Oh, really? Boasters, 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 boasters. Wow. Proud, proud people. Blasphemers, has there ever been more blasphemy publicly broadcast across the four corners of this earth than now? blaspheming God day in and day out. Disobedient to parents. <laughs> How come? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Help me out. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. No gratitude for what God gives. How many people actually wake up and just thank God in the morning for another day? Huh? I mean, I, I have to tell you I do because... I've, I've got myself practiced into that. I'm being honest with you. You know, I, I just wake up and, and I'm rubbing my eyes and I'm wondering what's going to say. Lord, I want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for this day. Unthankful. We're unthankful in so many ways. Unholy. 
You know, now it would be one thing if we were talking about believers and non-believers, but we're talking also about believers being unholy. Just because somebody got baptized and accepted Jesus Christ doesn't mean that they're committed to a life of holiness. In fact, we've got some elements that say, you know, grace is so strong, you do just whatever you want to do, God will overcome it. Without natural affection. (laughs) How far do you want to go with that one? Without natural affection. What's natural affection? Affections toward God, number one. Affections towards male and females. Family affections. It's every bit of it. When you read what's said about it, it's every bit of it. And truce breakers. Truce breakers. Truce breakers with God. False accusers. Incontinent. Fierce. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. High-minded. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And people having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Well, you see, I don't do too good in the seeker element of the body of Christ these days. Because I call for the power of God. You know, we raise people up. We get them in the church. We have formulas. We sell ourselves. We have massive screens. We do everything you're supposed to do. There are companies that are paid to go about and teach churches and pastors how to increase their roles by doing these things. And if you do these formulas, more people will come. But if you don't want to lose them, don't mention the name of Jesus too many times. Never mention the name of the Holy Spirit. And by all means, do not pray in tongues or have miracles in your house. You will scare them and offend them. Don't convict them of sin. Let God do that. You just minister to them. Come on! I'm sorry I don't buy into the formula. And I'm sorry I don't really care about the numbers. I'm sorry that we need the power of God to overcome in this day. So it's not enough to get people to just make a comment and to say, I believe in Jesus, and to have a radical experience for a moment. And then we love them so much that we don't love them enough to allow them to just flow back into the world. And it's almost unfair to people when we do that. Because it's like sending a soldier out into the war and you don't give him a weapon. Or you give him a weapon without bullets in it. Or you give him a a, a war plan with no strategy. You'll lose. You'll lose. They'll get killed. They'll get devastated. We're sending people out that say they believe in Jesus Christ. they got a mark on their head now. Huh? How, How many of you know that the spirit world sees who's received Christ and who hasn't received Christ? So now they're coming out, and what does the enemy of your soul want to do? He wants to destroy him. Who's he called? He's the murderer from the beginning of time. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He's a killer. He's a raper. He's all the bad things you could consider in one spiritual being. That's the devil. And either we have the sin nature or we have the righteousness nature. So we live in a tough time. But here's the good news. I believe you've been called to be named one of those. One of those in Revelation 4 that says, These are those who who have overcome by the blood of the... And the... Come on now. How many of you are tired of people giving you the same old testimony they had a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? I I don't want to hear that stuff. I want to hear, tell me about today. Tell me about last night. Tell me about this morning. Come on, give the Lord some testimony right now. I, I get bored with myself talking about old things. I want to talk about new things because he says, old things have passed away and all things are made new. 
if we keep the old things where the new things are, how many of you have ever tried to wrap up a fish and put it on your shelf next to a bottle of good old wine? And you take that fish out and you take that wine out and the wine is good because it's aged like good. But how about a fish? How does it age? It stinks. You got to throw it out right away. Fish will destroy your whole house, won't it? You get a little bit of aged fish in the house. You talk about a little lump in the leaven. Woo, that's like a skunk in your bedroom. A little aged fish. That's what happens when we keep taking the old testimony and sticking it in the new. God knows it. He heard it. Move on. If that's the only testimony you got, you need to get a little boot in the butt and get moving along a little farther. You got stuck. You need to move up. And so righteousness of God is what he's given unto us to overcome. And it's merging as a part and parcel of his divine nature into us. Now, let's talk about Genesis real quick. First of all, Genesis 1.26. You don't need to turn to it. I'll do it. God said, let us make man in our image. And then it says both male and female he made. Let us. It comes out in Eloheinu in the Hebrew. And what that means, it's the first time. The first time that God used the plural to indicate that there was a plurality of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Let us make man in our image. And he says, in our image and likeness, he made them. Two words, image, likeness. Some will teach you that they're just two Hebrew words that really complement each other and mean the same thing. No, God doesn't make, make, make uh, mistakes on his language and words. Image is this. The image of God is the three persons of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. When people were erecting images to false gods, they would erect it in the image of what that God looked like. A bull. How about the Hindus? They got three million different gods. The elephant, parts of pieces, all kind of stuff. It's the image of who the God person is. Let us make them in our image. That image is three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Every person born, every human being born is made in, in the image of three persons, the spirit, the soul, and the body. You are three personas in one. So that's the image of God. And then he added to that, not just the image, but the likeness. The likeness is not only form, but it's the very substance of who God is. So Adam and Eve were made in the very divine nature of God himself. That divine nature had a quality called righteousness. The righteousness gave Adam and Eve perfect standing with God, perfect peace with God, no fear, the ability at all times and all places to have a relationship with the Father and to be a child of God. That's what the righteousness did. That's why a human being is so unique in the creation of God, unlike an animal or anything else. And because of that, the human being has the quality to be able to be spiritual. Animals don't. I'm sorry, just going to tell you. Only a human being has the quality to be spiritual. There's nothing else that God has created on earth but human beings. I'm talking about creature creations, not spirits. Human beings have the quality of being spiritual like God is, made in the likeness. Now, having laid that foundation, I'm moving along pretty good here. God declares as a foundational law of the relationship with Adam and Eve this law. Let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. 
And it reads, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, you see, Adam and Eve weren't created with a concept of death. They were created to live forever. They were created with eternal life, even as you are. Your soul, your spirit shall live eternally. It's just a matter whether it's alive or dead for the ones who believe in Christ and don't believe in him. There is eternal life and there's eternal death and there's eternal life. They had no concept of death. They didn't understand what he meant that you would die. But the subtle serpent, Satan understood it, didn't he? And we see in Genesis chapter 3, verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows, verse 5, that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And look at this, you will be like God. Likeness, like God. They already had the likeness of God. Now he was trying to, to deviate and to make dysfunctional their righteousness. We get a clue. The enemy of your soul constantly attacks your righteousness. He wants to put you in a place of sin consciousness, a place where you're more enamored, more overcome with your sin than you are with the righteousness of God that you are. And when that happens, fears come in. We get afraid. Or when it comes in, we lose faith. Or when it comes in, we become double-minded. Or when it comes in, we begin to stick our toes in the water of evil and just to taste it and see what it's like a little bit. And the lust of the flesh begins to crawl up and to percolate inside of us because the sin consciousness wants to overcome the righteousness of God that's in us. The devil understood, and he wanted it, but he didn't have it, the righteousness of God in Christ. So he hits them with a lie. How many of you know that when the doctor comes to you, they might mean well, and they might say, listen, I understand what I'm seeing in you, but I'm going to tell you it's not good, and you have, you know, a 20% chance of living. That's a lie against your righteousness. You understand that? Or when somebody tells you you're never going to make anything out of yourself, you're always going to be poor, you're always going to be stupid, you don't have any gifts, you've blown, or how about this, you lost your moment, huh? People love to tell you your moment came and went. <laughs> That's people who don't understand old things have passed away and all things are made new. You're a new creation in Christ. And when you receive that new creation, all things are being made at all times for you. God is never done painting the tapestry. It's just that sometimes this tapestry is done. It's time to move on to the next one. And so we receive the things that, that are of the world or that evil plants into our spirits and minds as if it's truth. But really, what it's imposing itself against is the righteousness of God inside of you. You're that divine nature. And so he said, we, you will be like God because you're going to know good and evil. So when this woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. And then surely the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. My, oh my, they knew that that word didn't exist till then. You understand that there was no such thing as naked because they'd been created in the image of God. God isn't naked. God is clothed in majesty and glory. 
His righteousness is a cloak of goodness. His, his, his headpiece is the crown of life. At his feet, we see the ability to tread upon serpents and, and to go wherever you need to go. His arms are outstretched around the four corners of the universe and even there beyond. That's God. God isn't naked. Man wasn't created to be naked. But for the first time, their eyes were opened and they saw that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together. I found that to be very interesting that they sewed fig leaves to be together. First of all, that's the first understanding we have of somebody sewing in the Bible. So some of you women who like to sew, some of you men who like to sew. I'm not very good at it. The only thing I ever sewed up was my German shepherd's cuts and thing when he came in all beat up from wild animals and, and sewing. What did they sew with? Did you ever think about that? They sewed fig leaves together. With what? Probably a stick. They found a strain of something that was strong. They tied it through. They never had to sew anything before. You understand that? So now they first became sewers. What was the first thing they did was they resorted to a tactic they didn't know that wasn't true, tried and tested. They went to a fabric that didn't work. Leaves. What happens to leaves? They dry up. They crumble. Whoop! A visual. What do you want me to give you? Those leaves don't last too long. Hey, leaves aren't covering too much. They went to leaves. The leaves were made by their own efforts, and those efforts decayed. Those efforts didn't have any life to them. Those efforts had a short lifeline to them. Those efforts, they were sowing dead fig leaves on a dead body, a naked body. And that's what we try to do with the systems of the world today, don't we? We want to solve people's problems with counseling. But don't mention God. You know, the AAA founded itself and delivered so many people because of the faith in God and Jesus Christ. Then it began to dilute and dilute, and they got to a higher power. And I don't even know where they are now. I have no clue. And that's a nice kumbaya, let's all get together and kumbaya and confess what you were and blah, 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 blah. Hey, the power of God within you overcomes everything. Jesus is the name that's above all names. I'm okay if that's a step to get somewhere, but get out of there and keep on moving in God. Move onward and upward in the things of Jesus Christ. If we stick in the old, the old becomes our new, and then our new can't become the new that it's supposed to be. We need to move on. The solutions of the earth is to sow fig leaves over your situations. I mean, I grew up in a family where we were taught nothing goes outside the house. And I would be horrified when I'd hear things that were outside the house, like divorce um, uh, and, and, and people running away from their parents and all the situations that were happening that, that, that weren't endemic back in the 50s and the early 60s. That kind of stuff wasn't really popularized, but yet it was happening all over the place. But you kept it in. So in our house, we sewed fig leaves over it like it wasn't real, like it wasn't happening until all of a sudden those fig leaves blew off. And then everybody said, oh, you're naked. You're naked. You saw your own nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves. And when they were done selling fig leaves, it says, and they made themselves coverings. Listen to that. Coverings. My, oh my. 
coverings. Jesus is not a covering. Jesus cleanses the sins. Listen to me. Jesus is not a covering. He cleanses the sins. There's a big difference about how you perceive atonement. Atonement up until Jesus was just a covering. It was just fig leaves. It was just a little better because it was blood, but it wasn't a blood that was infinite. It wasn't a blood that was perfect. It wasn't the blood of another human being who had never sinned. So God, God sacrificed animals to cover Adam and Eve the very first time. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Unrighteousness causes people to hide from God. Whether they knew God or don't know God, if they're walking unrighteously, they hide from God. I can tell you in ministry and all the years that I've been in, when people quit coming to church and they're not going to any church, I say, oh, oh. you know why? Because I've been there. I've been there. After I got saved, I couldn't take it anymore. I just told everybody, I'm going out to sin. Don't do what I do. I'm going out to sin. I can't live like this anymore. You think I went to church? Huh? Think I went there, ask everybody how what I'm doing and get convicted of sin every day. I went, I hid. I hid until I couldn't hide anymore. Then I came back and guess what? I found the grace of God. He was willing to accept me just like I was again, fresh and new and said, okay, you got that out of your system. Now let's get going again. Bless God. Unrighteousness will cause us to hide from God. Adam and Eve hid from God. They wanted to hide. Now, they resorted to sensory perception. They heard God. In the past, they saw God. They heard God. Covering is something that masks a sin consciousness. And fear and shame entered into their soul, and so does it ours. The challenge then was for God to take a drastic precautionary message uh, 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 stand. There was another tree called the tree of life. And he was concerned that if they ate from that tree of life, then they would be stuck in that eternal state of death. They hadn't understood that it wasn't a physical death, it was a spiritual death. And that's just why some people don't understand it's not physically being born again, it's spiritually being born again. A spiritual death requires a spiritual birth. And so there they were with no opportunity for a spiritual death. There was no answer for the sin. The wages of sin is death. But God said, I got to take them out of the garden now. I got to take them out of the place of ease. I got to send them out of here because if they eat of that tree of life, it's history. The species is done. Mankind shall forever be destined to eternal death. The devil thought they had them. God put a pause on it. He moved them out. And then it was necessary for God to do something else. And this is what he did. It says, Therefore the Lord God sent them out of the garden of Eden to a, to a place from which he is taken. And, he's, and he brought them out with a flaming sword. In the meantime, it says in verse 21 of chapter 3, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Two quick points. To make a tunic of animal skins, animals had to die. Who sacrificed the animals? God himself. Who sacrificed Jesus? God himself. Which human hands were the ones that put the blood of Jesus on the altar? God himself. 
Which hands put the tunic of clothes upon Adam and Eve? God himself. We have another. We fast forward to the Abrahamic covenant. I don't have time to read it to you. Just accept it from me. The Abrahamic covenant is the foundation of God's blessings upon the, the, the church today. We are the benefactors of the Abrahamic covenant. And it's a covenant of righteousness. It says that God accounted unto Abram righteousness. And because he did, he gave him promises. So God was trying to build upon righteousness to get back to a family that was receiving the divine nature of righteousness. The whole story is about the righteousness of God. And when he took Abram to it, and Abram had to prepare the sacrifices, it said he cut them in half and put them equally on the side, and then God did an amazing thing. He put him in a deep sleep. And it describes the deep sleep as being horror. He was put in a place of darkness. What I believe Abraham saw was separation from God. I believe God put Abraham in a place because he was walking with God and was practicing righteousness. He put him in a place as the father of the Abrahamic covenant where he saw the horror of what happens when you're not covered in righteousness. And Abraham so much to do with the covenant that God just put him to sleep at that point. And it says the fire of God walked between the sacrifices. And when Abraham woke, the covenant was done. A covenant that God made with himself for Abraham. Fast forward to Jesus Christ. God made a covenant with Jesus Christ for you and I for righteousness. Thank God our hands didn't touch the blood. Thank God that it wasn't one of us who couldn't be sinless. Thank God it's not one of us who could let us down and change the rules and the laws and the divine order. It was Jesus Christ himself. And so we see all the way back from Adam and Eve that they had lost their righteous nature all the way back up to Christ. He was made sin who knew no sin that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's all about the righteousness of God. Once again, when you come in to the knowledge and into the actual substance of the glory of God inside of you as you're born again and confess Jesus Christ with faith, you have been restored to a nature, a divine nature of righteousness. Now, I want to give you another step. The place that you're at is better than where Adam was before he fell. Why do you think? Because you know good and evil, and you're still righteous. You're more like God than Adam was. God knows God, good and evil. Come on. You know, you can buy into that thing that, you know, God only performs good. Well, I know what my scripture says. He says, I'm the God who does good and evil. What are you saying, Pastor Frank? I'm saying that I don't believe that the devil is sovereign over my life one iota. I believe that if God needs to correct me, it's by God. I believe that if something happens in my life, it's by God. I am not going to worship the devil and give him a foothold in my life and say he's sovereign over anything. There's one sovereign in our lives when you accept Jesus Christ, and it's Jesus Christ. God doesn't need to tell the devil like he asked for permission with Job to correct his son Frank. I'll submit myself to God, but I will not submit myself to that devil. There is only one name that's a spiritual name that I don't capitalize, and his name is Satan. I always write it with a little s. There's only one person that I will not give credit for anything in the earth, 
and that is him. There's only one entity in all of creation that I'm allowed to say I hate, and that's who he is. I hate him. I hate everything he stands for. He's a murderer. He's a rebellious murderer. He's here to bring death. I hate him, and I can't wait till he's chained up and gone. I will not give him a foothold in my life. It is God. And that is why you are such a powerful person, because you know good and evil. And because you know good and evil, you have overcome evil by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And because you overcome, you can not only shake heaven, but you can shake hell. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you because you know all about evil. You know what it is. You know what to do. And you have made a free choice to say, get out of here in Jesus' name. And then we get a safety net. Oh, bless God. He knows, like Adam, you know, we're going to stumble and mumble and fumble. And we're walking around and we stumble over this. And Jesus puts his arms out and he catches us. And he gives us that little 1 John 1, 9 pill. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. That simple. It's too simple to believe because it's not religious. People want to sow fig leaves, so we have a part of it. God says, no, I've done more than cover you. He said, I've cleansed you. Only clean hands can worship the Lord at the altar. Only righteousness can come before God. We're never going to be good enough or right enough. You're never going to attend enough church services. You're never going to go to enough masses. You're never going to be able to say enough Torah. You're never going to have to memorize enough scripture. You're never going to do enough good things to get right before God. Thank God all you need to do is faith and confess Jesus Christ is Lord and then walk in him. And you know what? It takes a while to get your walk down. It takes a while. I wish I could do it. I, I, I don't look good. I mean, I remember once I saw a music video and it was ZZ Top and they were walking around behind each other like this and they were in perfect order with the long beards. And I said, man, that's a nice walk. But they were walking. We need to walk. We need to walk with it. We need to put our feet one in front of the other and realize that it says the Lord perfectly orders the steps of the righteous man. So even when you think you're going the wrong place, just keep going. Stop. Let the Lord step you. But go, 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 go. Don't stop. Keep moving in God. He's faithful and just because of Jesus Christ. I'm going to close with this. From the time that Adam fell until Jesus hung on the cross, God had been covering sin with the blood of bulls and goats. Leviticus 17.11 tells us the life of the flesh is in the blood. And therein it says, make atonement for your souls upon the altar. That was a covering that didn't walk very well. Contrast this to, to, to this, and I want to put it up on the screen. 1 John 1.7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. When that moment happens, sin consciousness no longer has a hold on you. All the bonds break. It may try to come back upon you. You need to not receive it. And the way you do that is by understanding the word of God and speaking the word of God, eating the word of God, 
living the word of God. His word shall be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. He will help you to go to the places that you need to go, but you need to take in the word of God. And then we need to act and walk on the word of God. I have good news for everybody here and who's watching us online or who, who will watch this wherever and whenever on the four corners of the earth. And that is this. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ once you're in him. Nothing. Nothing, nada, anywhere, anytime, any place. Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. That's a safety net, isn't it? Come on. Somebody say it with me. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. Say it one more time. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. How much does God love us? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So? That whomsoever believes him shall not die. What kind of death? Spiritual death. What kind of life? Spiritual life. Both are eternal. Choose this day whom we shall serve. Amen. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'd like you to consider this as an opportunity if you're here or if you're online. I'd like you to say, you know, Pastor, I believe what you said today. And if I do, I want to commit my life to Christ. Or if I've stumbled and walked away, then I want to get back. It's very simple. It's just a statement of prayer and faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'd like you to just pray with me right now. Just repeat after me. Father, I believe in Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He's my Savior. I thank you, Lord, that you gave him to be my sin. I thank you, Lord, that he died on a cross for sins he didn't do. He descended into hell and he paid the just price for my own sins. He resurrected and then he ascended into heaven. And by his blood, my sins are cleansed. Forgive me, Lord, for all of my sins. Keep me strong. Help me to learn to walk in your way. And thank you that your love holds me forever. Never let me go. And help me to hold on to you. Jesus, you are my Lord. And you are my Savior. And I pray in your name. Amen. If you've said that prayer today, I want to welcome you into the family of God. The Father sent his Son so that he could have a family without end, that he could redeem his sonship, his sons and daughters, and that he could reclaim his eternal creation in his image and in his likeness. But everything that drives what the Father does is his love that we can't explain. It's a love that's beyond words. It's a love that's beyond feelings. It's a love that surpasses anything you can ever know. And I just encourage you this way. Continue to worship. Worship 
God in a place that you're comfortable with. I'm going to go a little further. Not only that believes in Jesus Christ and Lord, not only that believes in the three persons of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, but in a place somewhere, somehow, that can raise you up and equip you in the fullness of the God and in the power of God. We need power today. And there's no greater power than the power of God. Amen? So find that place. If you're around this area, you're welcome. I think we got a little power in this house. And we never quit. We're never satisfied. We keep pressing on. I My prayer for you is that the power of God becomes so expected and so normal in your life that you don't even call it a miracle anymore. You just expect it. Everything's an opportunity to show God's power. Nothing is a problem. It might hit you in the morning. You might think it's a disaster, but by afternoon, God will make it a blessing. <laughs> Some of you have lived that with me. Might come to you as a tragedy in the morning. You may hang your head and say, oh my God. And by afternoon, you say, wow, look what the Lord has done. Shall surely happen in your life. I call it being miracleized. Amen. I want to take an offering. I know that um, it's that time. We thank you for your tithes and your support. We're doing a lot. We have a lot to do. We've been getting the house of God in order. Some of you who are away and came back, you probably saw some new things. And we're not done. We got some more things to do. But we always will have more things to do. Um, we need to be more active in the four corners of the earth with the people that we help. And we want to be more active. And um, we also want to open up the altar when we're done to pray for you and to pray for your needs. And we will do that personally here in the house with you. Uh, before we do that, I want to pray for you where you're at. If you're in need of a miracle or a blessing for God, I'm, I'm receiving some things that I want to share before we uh, go and open up the altar. I'm seeing some things in the spirit that God wants to touch and heal. So thank you for your tithe. Thank you for your offering. Why do we tithe? Because we can and we should. What does God do? He blesses it. God blesses tithe. It's honoring God. So... We do that, and we thank God for the ability to do that whenever and however that we can in Jesus' name. If you're online and you'd like to help tithe into this ministry, if we're your home church or otherwise, as God puts it on your heart, you can just go online and donate. If you're using a credit card then and you're in this house, and just put your credit card in the basket. Hello. And when you're all done with it, we'll send it back to you. My wife says, no, I can't do that. All right, we won't do that. All right, put a blank check in there and just sign it. Nope, she says we can't do that. How about an IOU, honey? Can they put an IOU in there? They can? All right, put an IOU in there for a million bucks, will you please? No? See what she does to me? She just won't let me do anything. What are you laughing about? <laughs> Bless the Lord. Bless you. We got it? Father, I want to pray over this offering. Thank you, Lord, for that which we've been able to offer up to you. Thank you for the giver and the one who couldn't give. Bless them equally in all things, Father. And we ask you to receive it and, Father, to, to, to multiply it 
and to allow us to be good stewards of everything that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's somebody in here that I see, I, I don't know what else to call it. It's like a compression of, a, of, a, of, of the spine. I see the spine's compressed. Something's there. I don't, I don't know. I'm not a spine doctor. That's you? Just stand right where you are. You don't need to come up. I don't need to touch you. Father, touch them and heal them right now in Jesus' name. Touch them and heal them right now in Jesus' name. Do it, Father, not by power, not by might, but by your spirit. Um, I see something behind an eye, and the eye I'm seeing is a right eye, and it's pressure. And uh, that pressure is not only causing a discomfort and a problem to see, but, but you've just recently received, very recently, you received a bad diagnosis about it. God says he's going to heal that right now. Who is that? Put your hand up. That's you, Don. Touch and heal that eye right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Touch and heal it, Lord, right now, in Jesus' name. We dissipate that pressure, and we thank you, Lord, for perfect healing right now, right now, in Jesus' name. This is a peculiar one. I don't know if it's online or here. Well, I have the Holy Spirit all over me. It's about taste buds. Somebody's having a problem with taste buds, and your taste buds were damaged, or they're just not working right. Something's wrong with taste buds. Is that anybody in here? Taste buds? If that's you online, I want you to get a hold of us and let me know that's you right now. In fact, I believe, I believe it's because of some medical treatments you've had, and, and, and it's destroying your taste buds. And God says he wants to restore that to you, but it's bigger than that. It's a complete healing in Jesus' name. And the taste buds are the first thing you're going to have come back right now so that your faith will increase and you'll know that God is moving in your heart and in your life. Um, this is about a fractured house. I just saw a fractured house. And, and I thought for a minute that's why I stopped. Was it a physical house? No. The Lord says... It's a family house. There's a fractured family house. And the fracture is going through that house right now. And you're terrified. And your heart's broken. And the Lord wants you to know that this is not unto brokenness. That God's going to rebuild that house. But first he's stripping it down. First he's stripping it down because he doesn't want to build it back on the same foundation that it was on. That foundation had slipped. Now... Um, if that's you and you're bold and you want me to pray for you right here, just put your hand up. I see you. Okay. Is there another one? And if you're online, I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you rebuild that house. Rebuild that house, Father. Let it be a testimony that says, for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Let it be of compassion and of peace. Let it be, Father, to where all of the members come back together and are reconciled, Father and are strong with one another. And let there be forgiveness. Let the roots of bitterness be ripped out, Father. And let there be, Father, a peace, a peace, a pacia del Signore that walks through that house, Father. Let there be a peace. Let there be righteousness as a standard in that house. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody with an ankle, I see your ankle is swollen, and uh, it's actually more than just a swollenness it's like a, uh, it's almost like a spur or something sticking out. 
uh, of that ankle bone. Is that right here? Is that here? That is? Right now, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to just touch that and let it be healed in Jesus' name, Father. We ask you to just take it away, strengthen it, strengthen it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, in general, and, and I don't normally like to pray this way. Um, you know, it's like this. If you say, the Lord's telling me there's somebody here with diabetes. Well, the percentages are always, there's somebody always with diabetes, right? But God spoke this to me just now. And he said, son, release it generally. Generally, the enemy is trying to rob finances. And I see stoppages. I see like there's all kind of these little uh, uh, pipes from people. And the enemy's packing it with stoppages, trying to keep the substance from God from flowing into your lives and into your prosperity. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm also not a destitute preacher. I believe in the abundance of God and all things that God has as much as I believe in everything else God has. I believe the enemy's trying to stop people from their dreams, their visions. Somebody in this house was expecting a phone call this week, a call that you thought was coming that was going to invite you invite you to become part of a cast is what I'm receiving. And it didn't come. God says there's another one coming. Hold on. You got a better one coming. And, and there's, there's a stoppage, the stoppage that's in pipelines right now. If that's you, if you're waiting for that call, if you're waiting for that pipeline, if you're waiting for that stoppage, somebody's been working real hard. You've actually already interviewed multiple times, a couple times for the same thing. You can't understand why they haven't called you. And God is saying, that call's coming forth. And, 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 and somebody else, you've been trying new things and it hasn't quite worked. And, and the Lord's got a word for you. And he's saying, trust me in the thing that I lay before you, not that you create yourself. And allow me to have the space in your mind to show you the new creation of what I have for you. In Jesus' name, I'm giving you what God's given me. He really cares about you. He cares uh, about how you can provide. He cares about how you can be blessed. He cares about your provision. Let me tell you something. You know, you could go nuts watching the stock market if you got a 501k. You can go nuts, you know, hoping Social Security doesn't run out. You can go nuts waiting for a check uh, uh, fr from the government uh, every week. You can go nuts hoping that you're, you don't get disqualified. I want you to understand something. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he will add everything else unto you. That's where we're at right now. He's about ready to add things unto you. If that's you, if that's you and you say, that's me, I'm not ashamed to say, I want you to stand up right where you're at. Just stand up right where you're at. The phone's going to ring. I hear phones ringing right now. I, re I hear phones ringing. I hear phones ringing right now. And I want you to understand the phone's going to ring. I want you to understand the pipelines are going to open up. I want you to do something prophetic right now. And, and, and you know, if you remember those glow sticks you, you, you hold up, that's what I just saw. What do you have to do to a glow stick before you got to break it, right? Let's just break it right now. Break it right now and hold it up and let your light move. Do it. Do it prophetically under God. Don't care what the world says. I could care less what they say. They're going to make fun of you and me no matter what we do. So let's give them a good reason. Let's believe God for it. Let's be shine your light. Shine your light to the Lord. Say, Lord, I believe you. Open it up. Open it up, Father. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Let it flow. Say it out loud. Let it flow. 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 Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let it flow. Believe God. Believe God. Speak out. Begin to speak out. 
I see a career on you, young lady. I, I just met you this morning. The Lord said to me, there's a new career that's about to break out on you right now. Right now, a new career is about to break out on you. Right now, right now, right now. And the Lord says, this is just the first step for you in this career. You're not going to believe where it takes you. You're not going to believe where it takes you. Thus saith your God in Jesus' name. Josh, the phone's going to be ringing. Phone's going to be ringing. The Lord says the third call is the one you want. Third call is the one you want. Man, I see so many pipes, so many pipes. The Lord's also saying to you, begin to believe the calling of God in your life. For you, some of you need to believe God to have your own businesses. You understand what I'm saying to you? You need to believe God to do it. Don't rely on, on some, some slim slam people to take you places. Rely on your God. Anybody ask you to write a check to them, that's the first thing I'm going to tell you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, don't do it. The gifts and calling of God are free. Don't do it. God's got things for you. Don't be satisfied with just the security of a day-to-day -day life. God's got more for you, but sometimes you got to step out. you got to step out a little bit. God will give you the wisdom. He'll give you the courage. He'll give you the faith. He'll give you the way. I'm believing God for you in it right now. There's so much change going on. You know, we're supposed to move from a glory to a glory, from a strength to a strength, from a faith to a faith. Man, you got to move. You got to move. Sometimes you just got to move. You got to say, you know what? I'm just going to hold on. I'm not going to. Sometimes we got to hold on to where God's put us and, and, and just stand in the tempest of the wind and say, I am not. I am not going to be moved. I'm not going to be moved. I'm going to keep my face like a flint to Jerusalem. I'm going to get to where God has given me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus. There's something else that's coming right now. I'm sorry I was going to open the altar, but, but I, I've got to be obedient to what God gave me. This is physical, ears. He's saying ears. There's people that need their ears healed and opened. If that's you, if that's you, just put your hands up. Just keep whatever you want, your ears. Put your hand on your ear or ears right now. Put them on. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch and heal those ears. You do what you're going to do, Father. Touch bones, touch membranes. Do whatever you're going to do, Lord, wherever it is. Let them feel the power and, and the popping of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Some of you are going to wake up in the morning and you're going to realize you're hearing differently. You're not hearing the same as you went to bed at night. You're going to hear that. You're going to hear that. Man, I'm getting something else. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I see a vehicle, and this vehicle is, is parked on the side of a drive, almost not in a field, but close to a field. It's been there so long, the grass has grown up around it. And, and the Lord says to bring life back to that car. Does that mean anything to anybody? Does that mean anything to anybody here? Bring life back to that car? I don't know. Maybe somebody on here, bring life back to that car. That means something to you. Bring life back to that car in Jesus' name. Bring life back to that car in Jesus' name. You see, God cares about everything. He cares about everything. And, and, and when the Lord moves like this, it's so that he lets us understand how he really does know and care about everything in your life. It may not seem significant to somebody else, but to you, it shows you how much God cares about you. It really does. How, how, how many of you get so excited that you're, you're frustrated with something. It's just not going right. Something got lost. Maybe you thought somebody took it. Something's misplaced. 
And you look, you look, you spend your time, you get, and all of a sudden you say a prayer. You say, Lord, would you please help me find this? And then like all of a sudden it's there. Do you get excited when that happens? Yeah. It falls out and falls on the floor in front of you. My wife was looking for her iPad for how long? A month? And all of a sudden it fell out. And there was she. Then it was your phone with all your credit cards for days and days. The poor thing was looking all over. Then it fell out on the kitchen floor. It was right there. It was right there. Just right there. Just right there. God is so good. He loves you so much and he answers every prayer. He really does. And, and he wants to do good things for you. So, so don't ever get to the point in place where you hold back, where you don't back. And I got one more thing to say. How many of you have overwhelming debt right now? Overwhelming debt. I want to say something to you. Don't be ashamed. God is able to not only reduce debt and eliminate it, but also forgive it. He's able. Now, sometimes it happens in ways we don't understand. It might look like a catastrophe to you, but it's a blessing to pay your bills. Be wise. Have your eyes open. Watch what God's going to do with your debt. I believe as our hearts go right, it's God's heart to help us reduce and eliminate debt. Because you're always indebted to the debtor. Always. No matter... They call the shots. They dictate what you have. God doesn't want us to be indebted. He doesn't want us to answer to something else. He wants us to be able to walk with that confidence that we know that we're free. And whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Amen. Do you have something else?